This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. If you already have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of 2 Thessalonians. I'm going to be preaching this morning a very difficult message. It's going to be entitled The Antichrist, and most of you by now should already have your bulletin at hand. And I have made one change to the back of it. I'll tell you when I get to it, but I want you to stay really close with it this morning. Uh, I'm going to be giving you a lot of information very, very fast. And uh, I wish that it wasn't like that, but time will only permit us to go so far with it. And I want now, you at home that are watching, you should by now already have your bulletin. We sent it to you early this morning. And so it should be uh, at your tabletop uh, right now in some way or fashion. And I want you to take close notes. Uh, stay with it. Now, while you're turning, I do want to mention uh, several people have asked me about this even this week. Uh, and I don't spend a whole lot of time promoting this throughout the year, but I do want to take time to do that since we are in this Bible Prophecy Sermon series. If you don't have my two books on the subject, I recommend that you add these to your library. This is volume one, In the Twinkling of an Eye. I'm not going to take time to go through all of the sermon content of it today again, but you uh, would be blessed by it. And then the Newest one that I have is in the Twinkling of an Eye, Volume 2. A few of the sermons that I'm preaching in this year's series are in these books. The first two sermons that I preached uh, in this year's Bible Prophecy series, the question, what time is it? And then there was another question asserted to that, what if? And that's going to be a major part in our message today. I want to continue on with that what if uh, possibility. But if you get both of these, all those books out there are $10 a piece. I don't take any money from it whatsoever. It all goes back to the church. Uh, but if you get these two books in the twinkling of an eye, you can get this one uh, free. It's Every Day with Jesus. It's a devotional book that I wrote a few years ago, and it'll bless your heart as well. So uh, you can see some people out there in the lobby. I don't know who all is. Maybe Miss Susan is out there. I'm not sure. But uh, we want to make those books available to you, especially during this time of the year when we're teaching and preaching on Bible prophecy. Now, this morning, it's going to be a very difficult subject, and uh, I want you to pay very close attention, if you will. I'm going to be reading out of Second Thessalonians, and I want you to find this passage of Scripture. They will get it on the screen for you. And uh, I'm going to, and we'll come back to some of these scriptures, but uh, for the way of introduction, I want to read for you in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and I want to begin reading in verse number 3. These are some startling passages of scripture, and uh, these are not scriptures or sermons that we teach or preach on all throughout the year. We designate a specific time to do that, and you need to be a little familiar in the Word of God with these turn of events that are soon on the horizon. But in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, in fact, let me just go back to verse number one, Justin. Sorry about that. Let's, it's not on your bulletin, but I, I do want, let, let's just start there. Let's go with chapter two, verse beginning in verse number one. The apostle Paul is writing, and this is what he says. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye soon or be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away. Now, just to reiterate something very simple in verse number two, the day of Christ is in reference to the rapture. And I think you all know that by now. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away. And we're certainly seeing that being fulfilled right before our very eyes, a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. Now, I'm going to make much of that today. And so I would encourage you to underline that 
in your Bible, and uh, we're going to give you a lot of the what-ifs in this particular passage. Now, in verse number four, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshiped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now you know what withholdeth <clears throat> that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let. That's talking about the Holy Spirit. Only he who now letteth and think about a world without him. Only now he that letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And he will be. One day the Holy Spirit will be taken out of this earth. And then, verse 8, and that's very important. And then. When the Holy Spirit is taken out, how is he taken out? Because we who are spirit-filled, we have the Holy Spirit. Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. When we get saved, I'm teaching on this on Wednesday nights. When we get saved, we are indwelt by the Spirit of God. He comes into us. Now, when we are raptured, the Holy Spirit, because he is in us, our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, he is taken out of the way. He's taken as well. And then, and only then, in verse 8, that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. If you are saved, you're going to heaven. If you're not saved and you die without Jesus, you will die and go to hell. The word is clear. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion. Next Sunday, I'm going to be preaching the message. Will there be a second chance for anybody left behind to be saved? Well, if you just read this one verse with that thought in mind, you could aggressively conclude that it would be impossible. But you need to hang on for next Sunday's message. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. That will happen. That they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. History is full of names of tyrants who have brutalized people for their own personal gain. And they have done it in the most uncomprehendable and the most barbaric ways. Clearly, these kinds of individuals have done it without any conscience, nor regard for their own personal soul. And I can just name a few. You can trace this crowd of people back to King Ahab and King Herod and Nero, Titus the Roman, Adolf Hitler, Stalin, Mussolini, and Saddam Hussein. History also well records their uncomprehendable acts, especially towards Christianity. But there's another man coming in the near future who will make the former brutes that I have just mentioned seem like they were members of the 4-H club. 
This individual coming, he will be a culmination of all people who hate Christ. Of all people who are against him. Of all people who say that they are Christ. Of all people who are false teachers and false prophets, everything that God is and everything that God is for, this individual will be 100% against it. And he will come in with unimaginable power. He will come in with crafty speech. And he will come in with the ability to perform deceptive miracles. We're going to be talking about that in just a moment. Now, I know there's a lot of pastors that shy away from preaching these kinds of sermons because we are living in right now the day of anti-Bible, the anti-Bible period. That's the day and the age that we're living right now. The time of people being anti-God or anti-Christian or anti-church. And we can try to fool ourselves all day long but you know and I know that's the gospel truth. In today's society, as far as church goes, we're gravitating towards, the pulpit is gravitating towards, pastors are gravitating towards just getting up here and saying a few words, having a wonderful music program, saying a few words, making people feel real good. And that is what has become acceptable church for the day and time which we live in. They simply want to massage people's ego by limiting their sermons just to love stories, maybe share a few poems, maybe even present a little national uh, geographical pictures on the screen or whatever. But listen, they simply today want to scratch the itch of positive thinking. Now, I want you to stay with me. But in order to do that, if a preacher today is going to stand in the pulpit and cultivate a congregation by only giving them that kind of stuff, then listen carefully, then most of the Bible, they will not be able to preach. And if that's what they do, listen, they'll have to stop taking the Bible literally. They'll have to become open-minded to this new age kind of thinking. And when that happens, when these kind of churches and these kind of preachers or these kind of pastors become engulfed in those kind of things, then they're going to have to stop preaching about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. They're going to have to stop preaching about the death, the burial, the resurrection. They will have to stop preaching about the blood, his judgment, a literal heaven, a literal hell. And most preachers today are only interested in talking about popular subjects. But I can guarantee you that if they stop preaching on the things that I just mentioned, then they will never preach what I'm about to preach. But I want you to know something today. I have never engaged myself in a popularity contest. And what I preach from the blessed pages of Scripture, you can mark it down. This is what I've chosen to do all of my life. If the Bible is silent about it, then I've chosen to be silent. If the Bible has something to say, something to say about it, even if it provokes my thinking, then I have something to say about it. But I will tell you this, our church will never become a church that becomes engulfed and just making people feel good, telling love stories, getting up here, wasting your time. I can tell you this, if you ever walk in the doors and you never feel God and you never hear a gospel message, if you never know how to go to heaven and live a godly life, then you have come to this church house in vain. And we've wasted our time. I'm going to preach the book every jot and tittle of it. And some of it, yeah, go ahead and give God a hand clap this morning. Some of it, there's no doubt in my mind when I preach about that celestial city, it'll soothe your mind. It'll give you peace. It'll give you comfort. It'll give you hope for tomorrow because we don't weep as others who have no hope when our loved ones pass away. 
There's no doubt in my mind that the word of God can soothe your mind. It can move you in a positive way. But sometimes it will cut because it's a two-edged sword. But it will never cut to hurt. It always cuts to heal. From Genesis to Revelation, that's what God called me to preach. That's what I'm going to do. And there's a passage of scripture about that in Acts chapter 20, verse number 27. The word says, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all of the counsel of God. And I pray in Jesus' name, if I were to die in this pulpit and I were to be taken out of this place in a body bag, I want you to know something. You can go to heaven one day knowing that this preacher preached the whole counsel of the word of God. Now I realize if you pay attention this morning, this message is going to keep you on the edge of your seats and it should. But keep in mind something now that God has not given us the spirit of fear. He's given us the Holy Spirit. In the time allowed for this message this morning, I want us to look at this subject very closely today. Listen carefully. Immediately following the rapture, there is going to be an instantaneous disappearance of hundreds of millions of Christians from all over the world. When the trump of God sounds, there's going to be a massive exodus. And when that trumpet sounds and millions upon millions of Christians are evacuated from this planet in the pandemonium of these catastrophic events that are going to take place in the twinkling of an eye. It's going to create an instantaneous moment for an energized individual to step forward and to lead the world in what appears to be a false sense of stability. That man will be the Antichrist. He will come in with great power. He will come in with great deception. He will first come in as a peacemaker But in the end, instead of saving the world, he will be leading it to the final battle, to the battle of Armageddon. Now, again, in the beginning, he will come in as a man of peace. And he will come in to embrace all of the world's religious institutions. He will come in to embrace all of the world's religions. I want you to think about that. But deep down inside, he has a burning hatred and a burning passion to persecute Christianity and anyone who worships Jehovah God. A friend is going on in the world right now. You can look around you, and as I said just a few minutes ago, we're living in a world that's very hostile to Christianity right now. You think about that just for a moment. Everywhere you look, you can find people who hate Christians and Christianity. So don't let this country fool you or places around the world fool you and deceive you to believe that we have all the religious rights in the world. We absolutely do not. And I want you to think about this. You can see Christians being discriminated against Everywhere you turn, you can see it in the liberal media. You can see it in the ACLU. You can see it in local TV stations. You can see it in federal judges. You can see it in the politically correct groups. You can see it in most television sitcoms. You can see it in many of our elected officials. You can see it in local and national governments, and especially in the Muslim and Arab world. I think it's appalling that America, as being founded as a Christian nation, in some public schools now, listen carefully, they can teach and enlighten children to the Quran. They can teach witchcraft. They can teach evolution. They can teach our children to accept abominations. Today's workplace has no problem with making concessions for Muslim women who have to come to work and wear veils. But if a Christian wants to wear a cross around their neck or put a Bible on their desk or wear a t-shirt that says Jesus saves, they have committed the unpardonable sin. You know what I'm talking about. So you're not going to hear this in every church in town. But this hatred is not something that has just all of a sudden crept up into the world. This hatred of Christ and Christianity 
and the worship of Jehovah, it was birthed in the mind and in the heart of Satan long before there was ever the first man or woman walking on this earth. And I want you to see this with me this morning. I hope that time will permit to get it all to you like I would like to. It all started back with the devil, but understand something, it was not always like that. Some of you may not know this, but Lucifer was first created in heaven. Lucifer was not created in hell. He was created in heaven. Lucifer, listen now, he did not originate crawling on his belly like a serpent in the Garden of Eden. Like Adam and Eve were created to be in the garden, Lucifer was first created to be in heaven. Maybe some of you are hearing this today for the first time. I'm going to explain it to you. And I want you to think about that. Lucifer at one time was in heaven. In fact, I want you to see this in the book of Ezekiel chapter 28. I want to show you this beginning in verse number 13. He was first created in eternity to be in the presence of God. In Ezekiel chapter 28, beginning in verse 13, the Bible says, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardius, the topaz, and the diamond, and the beryl, and the onyx, and the jasper, and the sapphire, and the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. He was a singer, by the way. Thou art anointed, thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Look at this now. This is Lucifer. Thou was perfect in thy ways from the day thou was created. Satan has not always been. He was created and he wasn't created in hell. He was created in heaven. Thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created till iniquity, that word means sin, sin was found in thee. Now, if you look at this very carefully, the scripture also says that Lucifer was created without sin. Do you get this in the scripture? Can you see it? He was created without sin. Look at verse 15. Until the word says you were perfect in all your ways up to a point. Until, look at this, iniquity entered into his heart. There was a time in Lucifer's heart where there was no evil or no sin. This was a perfect example, and look at it carefully. It's a perfect example of how pride comes before the fall. Now, the biblical account of Lucifer's fall is found in Isaiah chapter 14, and I want you to see this in verse number 12. Isaiah 14 in verse number 12, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Son of the morning. He was the most beautiful of God's created beings. He was, he was a masterful singer. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which disweakened the nations? For thou hast said in thy heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Now, this is what Satan is doing now in heaven. He was perfect in his ways, the Bible says, until iniquity entered into his heart. So there was a time he was created. God created him to be the most beautiful of the angelic world. He was a wonderful singer. When the Bible talks about pipes, he's talking about his vocal cords, his ability to sing. He was created perfect in all of his ways until iniquity crept into his life. And when he did that, he said this, full of pride. He said, I'm going to exalt. I'm going to ascend into heaven. I'll exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. This is when Lucifer became Satan. This is when he became the devil. 
Now, you may be wondering right now, Pastor, if the message today is about the Antichrist, then why are we talking about the devil? Well, what I'm about to show you is close as I can possibly come to to tell you who the Antichrist is. And I want you to see something that's very interesting in the Word of God today. So you'll need to take your Bibles and turn back with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And I want you to notice with me in verse number 3. The word says, let no man deceive you by any means for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And we are, we are living in the day of falling away. And then notice this, and that man of sin be revealed. Now this is important because I'm going to go back and show you an incredible what if that sort of like connects to the what if two-part sermon that we taught in the beginning of this. So I want you to underscore in your Bible, the son of perdition. This is very important. Now in the Hebrew, that means abandon, but it means the same thing as a Greek root word as well. And listen what it means. It means utter loss, eternal destruction, eternal damnation. So when Paul is talking about the son of perdition, I found this fascinating in my study because this passage is definitely talking about the Antichrist. The Holy Spirit, think now, the Holy Spirit calls the Antichrist the son of perdition. Are you with me so far? Now turn back with me to the gospel of John chapter 17, and I want you to see this in verse number 12. This, this when I was studying this and cross-referencing this, and I came across this, this is the kind of study that I pull myself up to my desk, and I get everything I can possibly find to enhance my study. I want to go in all in with this, all deep with this, and study it. And this is something that was amazing to me. What if? And I underscore that. But go back to the words of Jesus in John 17, verse 12. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition. Paul talked about the son of perdition in 2 Thessalonians. Jesus talked about the son of perdition here in John chapter 12, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Now, Jesus, listen carefully. Paul called the Antichrist the son of perdition. Jesus called Judas Iscariot the son of perdition. I want you to look at that. But Jesus also gave Judas another name. In John chapter 6 and verse 70, notice this with me. I hope you're really taking some good notes this morning. In John chapter 6 verse 70 and 71, Jesus answered them, Have I not chosen you twelve? And one of you is a devil. He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. So Jesus called Judas two different names. He called him the son of perdition, and he called him a devil. So listen carefully. The son of perdition is the devil in disguise. Now, I want you to notice something very interesting here. And again, I go back to that first two-part sermon, what if, and think about it. You might even want to write what if on the side of your bulletin, underline it. I want you to go with me now to Revelation chapter 11. And I want you to see this in verse number seven. We're in a Bible class today. This is Bible prophecy 101. I mean, you need to know this stuff. Revelation chapter 11, verse number 7. You'll have to pay very close attention right here from this point forward. If you, if you get distracted, you're going to miss something that's very valuable to your study. But in Revelation chapter 11, verse number 7, the word says this, And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth, look at this, ascendeth out. The beast that ascendeth out 
of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. Now, the Bible says here that the beast is going to ascend out of the bottomless pit. Okay, if the beast ascends out of the bottomless pit, then how did he get in the bottomless pit? How did he get there? How did he get into the bottomless pit to begin with? And this is imperative in revealing, I believe, who the Antichrist is. Because the Bible describes him, first of all, to be the son of perdition. And so, again, I want to underline something in your heart, on your Bible, in your bulletin today. You need to underscore that. Because Judas Iscariot is the only person in the entire Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, out of the 66 books, he is the only person that is named by Jesus to be the son of perdition. And I want you to see something very interesting in Acts chapter 1, verse number 25. And this really puts you into a place where you've got to study the word. I'm not just throwing nuggets out to you now. You've got to study the word here. In Acts chapter 1, verse number 25, the word says this, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas, this is talking about Judas Iscariot, by transgression, failed. You know what he did? He betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Jesus said, one of you are a devil. Notice this, from which Judas by transgression fell. Look at this. This, was, this is significant that he might go, look at this now, to, and I underlined in my Bible, you underline in your Bible, his own place. Now, if, you, if you're not hanging with me here, you're going to miss this. It's completely over your head right now. But I want you to get this. Jesus called Judas Iscariot the son of perdition. Paul called the Antichrist the son of perdition. Jesus called him the son of perdition, and he called Judas the devil. Now, here in this text, Jesus is saying by the fact that he fell that he might go to his own place. Now, I want you to notice those words because there's not one single other person in the entire Bible that the scripture says that when somebody died and went to hell, that they went to their own place. Judas is the only person in the entire Bible when he died that it was said that he went to his own place place. Now I want you to think about, for example, when the rich man died, the Bible does not say that the rich man went to his own place. The Bible says that the rich man died and in hell, he lifted up his eyes being in torment and said, Lazarus, would you send Lazarus that he may dip his finger in water and cool my tongue? Now notice with me in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 41, then shall he say unto me or unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire. Now, this is significant. Look at it very carefully here. Hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. You see, hell is the devil's own place. Hell is where the devil belongs. The devil's not in hell right now, but listen very carefully. The Bible says that hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. So hell is the devil's own place. When Jesus said, one of you are a devil, he said this, that when he's died or dead, he's going to his own place. He never said that about anybody else in the scripture. The Bible helps us to understand that hell is the devil's own place because it was created for him, it was prepared for him. Now concerning the Antichrist, notice what John says this. In Revelation 17, verse number eight, Revelation 17, verse number eight, John is on the Isle of Patmos. He's writing these inspired scriptures. The year was AD 96. And this is what he says. The beast that thou sawest was, underline the word was, that's significant, and is not, underline the word not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit or who will be. So what are you saying, preacher? And, and look at this, and go into perdition 
And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. So look at that very carefully. Latter part. The beast was, he was not, and then notice that, and yet is, or he will be. John is saying that the person of the Antichrist really used to be here, which was. But then something happened to take him away, which was, he's not. And you think about now all the what ifs here, because Judas committed suicide. He was taken away. He was, he was not. He was taken away, and notice this, he went to his own place. But then John said that he is, he yet is, he will reappear and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit. Now, I cannot prove this, but what I can share with you this morning is this, that Judas is the only one in the scripture whom Jesus said is the son of perdition, or the only one. Paul said the Antichrist was the son of perdition. Notice this, Jesus called Judas the son of perdition. Now, if Jesus came to this earth, you think with me now, if Jesus came to this earth as God incarnate, and what do you mean by that? The word says in John 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And then in John 1, 14, the Bible says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, if it's possible for God to send Jesus to this earth, Jesus was God incarnate. He became the word. If it was possible for God to take on the form of a man through his son, Jesus Christ, then there is no reason why we cannot believe that the devil came in the person of Judas when the fullness of time was. Listen carefully. If the devil could come in the garden of Eden in the form of a servant, serpent, he could certainly come into the world in the form of a man. That's possible. Now, let me tell you a little bit more about the Antichrist. You're saying, is Judas as scared as the Antichrist? He's going to come back. Look, I'm just telling you, you read what I read. Now, doesn't that enhance your Bible study? Now, you think with me this morning. No other person in the word called the son of perdition but one. And Paul said the son of perdition was the Antichrist. You think about it. You study it for yourself. Pretty interesting if you ask me. And let me tell you a little bit more about the Antichrist. Quickly, I've got to fly through this now. You've got it on the back of your bulletin, I believe it is. I want to share with you nine important things about him real fast. Number one, he will not make his appearance until after the rapture. When the rapture takes place, the Bible says the man of sin will be revealed. All right, number one, if you're taking notes, he will be the head of the Gentile nations. That's something to write on your bulletin today. The Antichrist will be the head of the Gentile nation. To think about it now, the Antichrist is a false messiah. When the Antichrist comes on the scene, the Jewish people are going to think that he is the messiah. Well, if that's the case, he'll be the head of the Gentile nations. A lot of people have thought, well, if the Jewish people are going to think that he is the promised one, he is the Messiah, then he would have to be a Jew. There, there are no Jews who are going to accept a Gentile Messiah. That's just not possible. But according to the word of God, the Bible says that he will be a Gentile ruler. In Revelation 3, 13, verse number 1, the word says, And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rise up out of the sea. Now, the sea here is the representation of multitudes of people it, 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 it represents the chaos that's going on in the world, having seven heads, ten horns, and upon his horns, ten crowns, and upon his heads, the name of blasphemy. And so for the lack of time this morning, this is talking about the revised Roman Empire. But if that's true, then how will, how will the Jewish people accept a Gentile Messiah? But he's going to be a ruler of the Gentile nations. Well, it's a great possibility that this individual will have a dual citizenship just like the Apostle Paul had. In Acts chapter 21, verse number 39, Paul said, I am a man which am a Jew. But then if you look in Acts 22, the Bible says, and as they bound him with thongs, Paul said unto a centurion that stood by, is it lawful for you to scourge a man that is a Roman? 
uncondemned. So he had dual citizenship, a citizenship to be a Jew and then for Roman. Paul had two citizenships. Okay, number two, real quickly here, and it's a possibility that will happen. It's something that's a mystery of God I cannot explain. But number two is this. He will have cult-like abilities. That's number two on the back of your bulletin. In Daniel chapter 11, verse number 21, the Bible says, and in his estate shall stand up a vile person to whom they shall not give the honor of the kingdom, but he shall come, look at this, when the rapture takes place, the Antichrist comes in. He will be, be revealed immediately after the rapture. When he comes in, he's coming in as a peacemaker. He's coming in with flatteries. Notice this. Come in peaceably and obtain the kingdom by flatteries. That's how people join cults, by the way. You know how Charles Manson attracted a lot of people to him? Because of his flatteries. David Koresh, Jim Jones, this is how these people do it. And, and, and I'm amazed how people are attracted to that and are drawn to that. But that's what's going to happen. Multitudes of millions of people are going to be attracted to this man of sin, the lawless one, the son of perdition, the Antichrist, because of his flatteries. He will appear to be religious and he will be able to attract millions of followers. Number three, quickly, at first he's going to be a political leader. And in Revelation chapter 17, if you're following your, your bulletin today, the word says, and he saith unto me, the waters which thou sawest where the whore sitteth are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. And so the waters here is a picture of the sea of humanity. He will be able to get all of the world together. He'll be able to congregate them. He'll be able to open borders. He'll be able to tear walls down. He'll be the man of the political hour. Number four, quickly. He will have a worldwide influence. People are going to be looking to him and gravitating toward him to have all the answers of the world. Now, you can write down, here's where I want you to change the scripture. Right here from Revelation chapter 13, 8. I want you to write in Revelation chapter 13, verse 13. Make a notation on your bulletin. And he doeth great wonders so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. So here's what's going to happen. The Antichrist is going to come in as a very wonderful, brilliant, genius type of an individual. He's going to come in as a peacemaker. He's going to come in with flatteries. People are going to be attracted to him from all over the world, from all different types of denominations and all kinds of faiths. He is going to come in as he is one big religious leader, and they're going to be attracted to him. When he comes in in this, in this facade and people begin to look at him, he is going to have to prove his credentials. Because in one point here, I'm going to show you that he's going to set himself up as God. The Bible says this in Revelation 13, 13, and doeth great wonders so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth. And let me remind you of something. There are three heavens. The first heaven is where the clouds are. And the Bible says that the devil is the prince and the power of the air. The second heaven is where the galaxies are. The third heaven is where God's throne is. So I can assure you that when the Antichrist, you remember when Elijah called fire down from heaven? He was calling it down from the third heaven. He was calling it down from where the throne of God was. But when the Antichrist comes in trying to imitate God, when he is able to, as the word says, do these great miracles and call fire. Now, I can imagine him saying, you remember the prophet? Let me show you something. I can do what he did. I'm God. When he calls down the fire, it's going to be not from the third heaven. I assure you that. And so the Bible says he's going to come in with all of these flatteries and to be able to do all of these wonderful things. And he doeth great wonders so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of man. Number five, real quickly. In his rise to power, he is going to destroy ten or three different nations. There'll be ten altogether. He is going to subdue three of them immediately. And uh, Daniel chapter 7, verse 8 and 24 the word says, I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, which before there was three of the first horns plucked up by the roots, and behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of man, and a mouth speaking great things. In verse 24, and the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall rise, and another shall rise after them, and he shall be diverse 
from the first and he shall subdue. Look at that. Three kings, three nations he's immediately going to subdue. Number seven, real quickly here. I'm running out of time. He's going to make a seven-year covenant with Israel. He's going to come in and for the first three and a half years, he's going to allow them to think that he, yes, he is the Messiah. He's going to allow them to worship in their temple, to offer the sacrifices just like they did in the days of the Old Testament. He is going to do that for three and a half years. Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, and he shall confirm this covenant with many for one week. That's talking about Daniel's 70th week. By the way, we are in the 69th week right now. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. After three and a half years, he's going to tell the Jewish people that you can no longer worship in the temple, that uh, I'm going to set up an image of myself. You're going to have to bow down and worship it. And immediately they're going to recognize that they have been deceived. Number seven, real quickly. The Antichrist will authorize the execution of the two witnesses that Jehovah God is going to send in the tribulation. I wish I had time to develop this this morning, but understand this, that at this particular time of the tribulation, when everything is just breaking loose everywhere, God is going to send two witnesses to this earth. And I'm going to be bringing some of this out next Sunday, so I'm trying not to get ahead of myself. Will there be a second chance for people to be saved who are left after the rapture? God is going to send two witnesses to this earth. These two witnesses, I believe, you can believe what you want to. There are people who believe it's John the Baptist. Other uh, uh, People believe that it's Enoch. I believe that it's Elijah and Moses, and I think I have scripture for that. I'm not just making up names and throwing them out there to you. I believe that one of the two witnesses is Elijah. And let me give you this scripture real quickly. It's in fact, it's just about the last verse in the Old Testament, Malachi chapter four, verse five. I want you to see this. Get it on the screen, Justin. This is important. Why do I believe that Elijah will be one of the witnesses that come back? Here it is right here. And you can't get it any plainer or clearer than this. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is a revelation. So I believe the Bible clearly speaks of Elijah. But then I also believe that it's going to be Moses that God sends back to be a witness as well. In Revelation chapter 11, verse 6, the Bible says this, talking about the two witnesses. They have power to shut up heaven. Okay, Elijah did that. That it rained not in the days of their ministry, their prophecy. Elijah did this. And then have power over waters to turn the turn them to blood and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. Now Moses did that. I'll talk more about that next Sunday. So here's what I want you to see now, Revelation 7 and 8. And when they shall have finished your testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them and their dead bodies shall lie on the street of the great city which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt where also our Lord was crucified. Number eight, I'm out of time. I've got to move quick. He will move from being a peacemaker to setting himself up as God. Number eight, let me give this to you quickly. He will move from being a peacemaker to setting himself up as God. Revelation 13, verse number eight and 11, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And behold, another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 4, you'll have to read this for yourself. Let me mention this while our musicians are coming. Let me get, get this straight in your heart and your mind this morning. There's a huge difference between Jesus Christ and the Antichrist. 
A huge difference. Jesus came down from heaven. The Antichrist will come out of hell. Jesus came in his father's name. The Antichrist will come in his own name. Jesus humbled himself and became obedient even unto the death of the cross. The Antichrist will exalt himself above all that is called God. Jesus was despised and rejected of men. The Antichrist will be admired and worshipped of men. Jesus came to do his father's will. The Antichrist will come to do his own will. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. The Antichrist comes to seek and destroy. Jesus came telling the truth. He was the truth. The Antichrist comes as a lie. Jesus comes as the Holy One. The Antichrist will be the lawless one. Jesus came as the sinless one. The Antichrist will be the son of perdition. Jesus was lifted up to a throne. The Antichrist will be brought down to hell. My question is this, where are you headed? Are you ready? At the end of the seven years, Jesus returns to the Mount of Olives and brings judgment with him. And so let me give you number nine real quickly here. He will force every human being to receive a mark of identification. Revelation 13, chapter 16, or chapter 13, verses 16 through 18. Let me say this quickly. I'm I'm so far out of time. What's happening in the world right right now, today as I speak. And we have some churches that are under severe persecution. We have this horrible thing of COVID. We, We have troops at the Capitol. We have all, listen, I don't, my time is gone. But I will tell you this, what you're seeing right now with COVID-19, listen carefully. Let me say it one time. I don't have time to build on it. But understand this. We are in the dress rehearsal. The dress rehearsal of forcing everybody to do certain things. Closing churches. Again, I don't have time to develop this. This will be another 10-point outline. But listen, just, just know this. The curtain is about to close. We are in the dress rehearsal. Because what's happening in the world today is not just centrally located in the United States. It's all over the world. There's going to be a world leader who steps on the scene who will be able to organize the world and all of the chaos. And so immobilizing people like we're doing today in unprecedented numbers and ways and forcing people to do this, that, and the other. Listen, you better be getting ready. For in such an hour as you think not. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at bufordroadbaptistchurch.com.